1: And in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am both a master of the laws of taxation and a master of the laws of intellectual property. Now, because of my education, my training, my experiences, my life's observations, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and the creation, preservation, and transfer of wealth within families and communities, including tribal communities, and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. Yes, I said bankruptcy law because as I'm known for half. But singing it's all it's not all about the money, 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 but it is all about the money, money, money as such, I also practice the related fields in my overall financial practice, including debt, wealth management, estates, and trusts real estate, and of course, taxation law. Now with these areas of law as my reference points, that is to say, as they relate to the personal, familial, community, and small business aspects of finance, I've spent the greater part of the last 40 years, both before and after getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment, the economic independence, and the economic autonomy of women and people and communities of color, including indigenous communities. And, as I've shared with you before, because I grew up as a military brat and helped create another one when I was married married to my former spouse, who was also in the military, I have firsthand knowledge of just how hard it can be sometimes financially and economically. For our citizens, soldiers, sailors, airmen and women, and marines and their families in our, I would say sometimes, but always, unfortunately, capital-based economic system that is sometimes less than patriotic, I'll put it that way, especially after these individuals and their families separate from the service. As such, I also proudly serve veterans of all stripes and in all branches of the military." and because I was raised by some great women, including my two grands, and uh they kind of shed the way I look at the world, and uh, because not only were they mother figures and actually mothers at to me at times, um, I actually became friends with these women and we developed a deep kinship. Um and, you know, I learned from them firsthand how they survived and thrived and during what I consider to be the four great economic challenges of the last century, that is to say, the Great Depression, the privations of World War II, ...and the systemic racism and misogyny that continues through our society today, unfortunately. And as these women helped raise me and loved me and share with me the stories of their grandparents... ...who loved and raised them in the post-Reconstruction Jim Crow South that I spent some time in... ...it is out of my great love and respect and admiration for these women who are always with me in spirit urging me on that when the situation is right, I am sometimes able to at least attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors and those who are disabled, who find themselves the targets of and more and more, unfortunately, the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder and adult abuse that you could imagine that's running rampant in our society today. So the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and more and more probably these days due to the inflationary effects of what's going on in our economy, the lack thereof, and your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect or reclaim or rehabilitate your or your family's or your business's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non threatening educational form. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show doesn't provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational form for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your more detailed search for more detailed information that's tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least an overall outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help. I believe you need if you're having a legal issue that intersects with your finances or your overall assets or any of your debt. So, Today, we will continue our discussion about our Native American cousins and how and why we must support them in their ongoing fight for their sovereignty, their political, their judicial, their economic, and environmental rights right here in America, where Indian country is all around us. As such, I say it's about time we gave our cousins are the first Americans their long-overdue respect. You know, the last time we got together, I shared with you some vital information about the five Native Americans, women all so far, who have been elevated to the federal judiciary to call balls and strikes and deal with issues surrounding a rationally-based judgment of the disputes that are placed before them without fear or favor on matters of keen importance to us all. And they included U.S. District Court Judges Lauren King and
2: Diane
1: Tuwe and Ada Brown and Lydia K. Grigsby and the newest one, the Honorable Susan Sunshine, Sunshine Susan Sykes, Whose appointment by President Biden was ratified by the Senate this past May 2022 by a 51 to 45 vote that included three Republicans, including the two female senators, Susan Collins of Maine and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. These five lady judges, actively serving on the federal bench, represent a very, very, very small minority of the 900 or so authorized federal judgeships. But I believe they present and represent, because of their respectives, on their respective courts, they will bring about monumental change, not in the way that you know, judges make decisions, but because they will bring their different perspectives to the analysis of the laws and facts placed before them because of their different tribal upbringings. And to me, just as importantly, they will bring about the projection and be role models that they will provide to some little boy or some little girl Growing up in tribal lands today. Judge Sykes' confirmation continues President Biden's efforts to make the nation's federal courts more diverse, both in terms of demographics like race and gender, but also as to professional backgrounds. Now, for some context on the significance of Judge Sykes' confirmation, only 7 native americans have ever served as federal judges in our country's 230 year history of having united states federal courts that's out of more than 4200 people who have served as article 3 judges an article 3 judge is one who's appointed for his or her lifetime to either a district court the lowest Uh, uh, court that tries matters, Uh, appeals courts, the intermediate court, or the United States Supreme Court. There's never been a Native American on either the appeals court or on the Supreme Court. Now, besides the five previously mentioned judges, including Judge Syke, the other two were U.S. District Court judges Michael Burridge and Frank Howell say. Now, as I said, there have never been an indigenous judge on the United States Court of Appeals or on the Supreme Court. And speaking of district courts, I also shared with you last time my reaction to a great panel presentation I attended via Zoom on August 30th that was put on by the United States District Court for the Northern District of California, entitled the Northern District's 2022 Power Act Panel. Now, the POWER Act, as I told you before, was uh, has the goal of empowering uh, uh, judges who are both on the district courts as well as tribal judges to work on areas of domestic violence on tribal lands or for tribal people who are not living on tribal lands. Now, the presenters at that really great panel that also looked at the areas of dependency and adult wellness were the Honorable Abby Abernathy who uh, is the Chief Judge of the Yorka Ch- Tribal Court, the Honorable Richard Blake who is the Chief Judge of the Hoopa Tribal Court along with Lori Nesbitt who deals with opiate issues for the uh, Yorka Tribe and it was moderated by uh, the Honorable John Tigert Uh, who's a district judge for the Northern District of uh, California. Now, the topics included integrating Native American cultures into community courts and treatment programs to achieve better outcomes, leveraging partnerships between tribal, federal, state, and local governments to solve problems more efficiently, and most importantly, opening up to uh, members of the bar the pro bono opportunities within tribal communities in the Northern District of California. There are great opportunities to help in these areas, especially if you have background in domestic violence, that is to say family law or low-level criminal activities. And I'm sure if you don't have any of these expertise, there are people there to help train you. Then finally, i also share it with you information about the seven Native Americans who have been elected by members of their overall multi-ethnic communities to serve in the United States Congress. So when we come back, we'll focus on Congress. But first, we'll take a short break and I'll see you on the other side.
2: Back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead.
1: Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. As I continue our discussion about our Native American cousins and how and why we must support them in their ongoing fight for their sovereignty, their political, their judicial, their economic, and importantly these days, their environmental rights right here in America where Indian country really is all around us. As such, I say it's about time we give our first cousins, that is to say, the Americans' first citizens, (laughs) their long overdue respect. So, the last day of August 2022, Mary Petola, a former Alaska state legislator, a Democrat, who has spent a Decade in this California state legislature, and is an enrolled member of the Yupik tribe, who resides in Anchorage, Alaska. Defeated former Alaskan governor and vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin. And another Republican to become the first Alaska native, the first Alaska native woman, the first Eskimo, the first Eskimo woman to be elected to the House of Representatives when she won a special election to fill the seat of the late Congressman Don Young, who was a Republican from Alaska and that is according to the unofficial results that were released by the Alaska Division of Elections on the first day of September 2022. Therefore, Ms. Peltola will control the seat for the remainder of 2022, but she will have to stand for election again in November in order to have a complete congressional term. As such, Ms. Teltola will join a historically large Native American contingent in the current Congress, which includes Tom Cole, Representative Tom Cole, who is a member of the Chickasaw tribe, and he's a Republican from Oklahoma. Also, Sharice Davids, who is a member of the Ho-Chunk tribe and is a Democrat from Kansas. And also, Representative Yvette Harrell, who is a member of the Cherokee Nation and a Republican from New Mexico, and also Kai Lee, who is from Hawaii and represents their first native son to become a member of Congress, and also Representative Mark Wayne Mullen, who is a member of the Cherokee Nation and also a Republican from Oklahoma. So some of you asked me for more information about Ms. Petola and how you could help her. Well, there was a great article about her and her issues that was published in the Los Angeles Times on September 9, 2021, written by L.A. Times special correspondent Will McCarty and entitled Larger Threats Loom for Alaska's Petola. And uh, according to the author, here in southwestern Alaska, the salmon runs are ending for the year. Berry picking is over too. And the leaves on the willow trees lining the banks of the Kuskohokwin River have started to yellow. In other words, it's moose hunting season. I got to put a pin in it. Now, anybody that spent time in Alaska the way I was fortunate enough to spend a great part of my childhood there, berry picking and moose hunting and getting fresh salmon is a BFD, and I'll just leave it at that. Getting back into the story, I wanted, and is this a quote, I wanted my grandson to shoot it, but his gun jammed. At Albert Evans, showing off a set of bloody antlers perched on his shift after the rest of the moose had been unloaded to the shore. The harbor is the closest thing to the public square in the city six thousand reachable. City of six thousand reachable only by a boat or a plane. And this city that they're uh, that the author is talking about is in Bethel, Alaska, which is this tiny village hamlet. Uh, in the the southern part of the state. People wave at one another one recent morning as they backed small fishing boats onto the water. An ancient tugboat sat decaying in the groves of willows. A sloppily black dog ran back and forth across the dirt lot. Evans will take only about a quarter of the moose for himself. He went out as a proxy hunter to bring meat back for the seniors who can't hunt anymore. I have elders in my family, so I'll give it to them, Evan said, perfunctorily, as the kind of generosity that's expected. In fact, in Bethel, the hometown of Alaska's newest political star, Mary Portola, much of the news cover uh, of the week. It dealt with a special election to fill out the state's lone seat in Congress focused on the defeat of Sarah Palin as a sign that the Republicans are losing momentum as the midterm looms. But the victory for Potola, a 49-year-old Democrat, was remarkable in its own right. When she is sworn in next week, she will be the first Alaska native to serve in Congress. The land and culture that sustained her as a child now face a series of existential threats that are redefining the political landscape of the state, perhaps forever. Bethel sits in the corner of the yukon kokushkwin Delta, a vast wetland potmarked by thousands of lakes formed when permafrost thaws. The terrain known as the Damascus and the region the size of Oregon the population is just 26,000 the majority are Yepic uh, or also known as Athabascans many live a subsistence lifestyle meaning that they hunt fish and gather as their main source of food It's so different than I often learned when I was going to school in the lower 48, when I learned not to mention it. That's what uh, Ms. Portola told the author of the story by phone from Anchorage. It sounds so far-fetched. It sounds like it's being made up. Then he goes on to talk about the fact that the Alaskan culture is under siege. Native people make up at least 16% of the population of Alaska. A greater share than in any other state. Tola's election has been and was celebrated by indigenous communities across the country. But as much of her victory marked a turning point, it also comes at a time where subsistence cultures in the Delta are under siege. Sounds like the Delta, uh, this is Selwyn speaking. I spent some time growing up not only in the Delta in uh, Alaska, but also a Delta in um, Mississippi. And that's why black and native people have so much in common that we don't realize it necessarily. And I like to try to bring it to the fore. The culture down there is under siege as well for other reasons. Back to this story. There's the threats to our climate, our rivers, our land. And that's according to Beverly Hoffman, a community organizer and a former city council member who was born and raised there. Mary understands all that. The permafrost is thawing as the climate warms, leading to erosion and flooding. Some communities have had to retreat from the riverbank. Others have relocated all entirely tundra fires are increasingly severe the tundra is the, the, the flatland area with deep undergrowth lots of trees and so it catches fire and the fires smolder for a long time the most immediate threat to Bethel's subsistent culture comes in the form of dramatically diminished salmon runs okay I'm going to jump out again salmons always go back to where they were born to have their babies and so they go. They fight uphill but as the climate has warmed um, it's very difficult for salmon to spawn and the Alaskan members uh, of the tribal communities use the salmon as a major source of their subsistence and if the climate continues to deteriorate With um, permafrost melting, causing the banks to flood, limiting the ability for fish to do what they needed to, also limiting the ability for the Alaskan uh, natives to be able to hunt for moose. And everybody knows how great a moose burger tastes. Well, maybe not. Well, I do anyway. So that's in a nutshell, what's going on and why it's so important for people like uh, Congressperson-elect Portola to come to Congress to bring the perspective of all of the various uh, residents of Alaska and representative of all of the native communities throughout our our country. I have such high expectations for her and you know I'm constantly being asked by politicians to say a good word or give them some money and I tend to not but I think that I might be compelled to support Miss Patola because I know how important it is for alaska natives especially eskimos to be represented in congress and i know she's going to have a battle when she runs for re-election in just a couple months so i urge all of you out there in my listening audience to check miss portola and alaska out and i think you'll be as impressed as i am uh, with her running Uh, So uh, the story concludes about Ms. Portola getting back into her narrative area so she can go moose hunting. And again, everybody knows how great a moose burger is. So we're going to leave it there for now, but always in closing here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stand on the right side of the law, including putting in place lawmakers and judges that reflect our society as a whole. That way, we all can be assured that we all will receive our just desserts. But in the meantime, and in as much as it appears that some form of variant of COVID-19 will be with us for the foreseeable future, I once again urge you to please get vaccinated and boosted. And even if you have all your shots, but especially if you don't, please take the necessary precautions to at least mask up when you're out in public. So, till next time, take care.